in an election that will determine the fate of the entire universe. There's only one podcast holding politicians accountable. Scott Morrison, Anthony Albanese. Who will lose? Find out on The Chaser Report, election edition. Hello and welcome to The Chaser Report for Tuesday the 17th of May, just four days to go. I'm Charles Firth and joining me today is Andrew Hanson. How are you going? Hello, uh, Charles. Oh, look, I'm very excited. I've, I mean, I've already voted. You know. Oh, really? So, um, yes, yeah, so I've kind of blown the whole. Yeah, blown the whole thing. It was, it was an interesting year to vote. This one. Did you? Did, I don't know if you've noticed the the ballot paper this year is quite an interesting one. If oh, you, yeah. If you right. voted, you well, I mean, you know, the, the big one. I'm talking about the huge ballot paper, yeah, yeah, the enormous the one, right? You know, yeah. this is why children can't vote. It's a suffocation risk. <laughs> well, I, you know, you've got uh, you've got Labor. Liberal, mm, yeah. Greens, yeah. and then 28 versions of the Nazi party. <laughs> and that seems to be the choice. And then they expect you to, to yeah. order them in, in the order that you prefer them. So, so I found myself <laughs> like, hmm, well, who do I prefer out of, you know, lynch mobs for a whiter Australia or ban homosexuals party? Who should I put at number four? And number four seems a bit high for either of them, but yeah. everyone else is actually worse. But don't they uh, always have names like... The Citizens Justice League. Oh, that, that's you know, true. They, yeah, a lot of them are in disguise. We, we yes, don't yes. quite know mm. whether they're like. I mean, that sounds yeah. like good. Like justice is good. Citizens are good. Citizens are good. That's right. Yeah, the all round good blokes party. Yeah, yeah. And you oh, look no, them up. They, they're, they're terrible. Yeah. They're the they worst. actually stand for giving <laughs> firearms to toddlers or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but the big news uh, this morning, Andrew, is that mm. uh, Shane Bazzi, the refugee advocate who got sued by Peter Dutton. And um, mm. and he lost the defamation case and uh, got asked to give thirty five thousand dollars in damages to Peter Dutton. And anyway, he appealed that, and on appeal, uh, he won. And Peter Dutton's defamation victory has been overturned, and Shane Bezzi doesn't have to pay anything to Peter Dutton. Isn't that extraordinary? Well, it just goes to show if a potato has thin skin, it gets peeled. <laughs> mm. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> I, look, I'm not sure I agree with this verdict because I think this is a bit of a blow for freedom. Oh, yeah. What about the freedom for powerful politicians to sue citizens who make offhanded quips to... A few Twitter followers. Like, you that, know, that's very true. They yeah. need that free. I mean, that's a, that's a freedom that they fought hard for as yes, well. Yes, exactly. That's why the, the Anzacs went to World War II, yeah. wasn't it? It was so that a powerful man could sue over a tweet one day. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> and and it's not just Peter Dutton. Like, there's been tons of men who've who've sued little people this year, and and are failing. Like, this is <sighs> like. I think we need some urgent yeah. defamation reform, but not mm. not to make it easier to to speak out, but to protect these poor people who bring these defamation suits and then lose in a blaze of glory. I know it's really rough on them, isn't mm. it? When you think about the the hurt feelings yes. involved, yes, uh, not to mention the you know the sums of money. Yes. I mean, Peter Dutton missed out on thirty five grand. Yes, and you look, know. he's only got six. Well, he's got six investment properties. And interest oh. rates are going up. Yes, how's he gonna? How's he gonna make the repayments? Yes. What about the council rates? I mean, I mean, with six properties, he'd be he'd be having to pay thirty five grand every quarter in rates. I'll tell you what: if if the housing market collapses, I think we mm. know who to blame, which is the oh. appeals judge who overturned this verdict. <laughs> the appeals judge, how irresponsible! 
trashing the housing market. You should be ashamed. Now, coming up on the show, we've actually got a bit of a special treat, which is we're bringing back our quiz, which is called no, 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 it's called stupid questions only, isn't it? And it's your quiz. No, Charles, I'm, a, I don't, I'm not often here. I don't know what your quiz is called. It's called. It could be called Sale of the Century, for yeah. all I know. I don't know. <laughs> it would make sense to have a quiz called No Stupid Questions, but it's actually a quiz that's uh, stupid questions only. And it's your questions about the election. We get you to write in on Twitter and Facebook and, and stuff like that. We've got a whole lot of questions. But joining us today is a real person from the Australian Electoral Commission who will be able to answer your stupid questions. A real person? Yes. What, what, this podcast is really soaring to new heights, Charles. <laughs> well, you've got a guest who's a real person. No, no, My goodness. Because yeah, everyone else <laughs> is, uh, so far has been fake. And Andrew, you you uh, have a segment on today's. You got a, have you got a quiz at Woody? Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm going to. Well, you're going to be asking a few questions. I'm going to be doing a pork barrel review today. Ooh, okay. Some of the finest examples of pork barreling that have emerged during this election campaign. All that and more coming up. But first of all, let's go to my election wrap. This is the election wrap for Tuesday, the 17th of May. The Liberal Party's plan to solve housing affordability by driving up the prices of houses has raised concerns that maybe the Liberal Party doesn't understand what the problem is. Housing experts spent much of yesterday saying the only conclusion you can reach from the policy is that the Liberal Party actually thinks that houses are currently too affordable and need further inflationary pressure. This is like throwing kerosene on a bonfire. The expectation is that it would increase the cost of a home here in Sydney by $134,000. Meanwhile, the Greens, which have a policy of building one million extra homes, which would actually solve the fundamental problem, have awkwardly been left in the position of taking the most economically responsible position on housing. Watch out, Adam Bad. You're supposed to be reckless, crazy hippies, at least according to this morning's Herald Sun. Josh Frydenberg is tipped to win the Olympic gold medal for verbal gymnastics after he was asked on Radio National this morning why people in his seat see climate change as an important issue. My focus is on not only delivering better economic outcomes for the people of Kuyong and people of Australia, but also better climate change. Rest assured, his unwillingness to answer a simple question about the priorities of his own electorate doesn't affect his ability to represent them in Canberra. As Josh says, you're voting for him, not not for anyone else that he happens to vote in a binding caucus with. It's my name, and my name only, representing the Liberal Party that is on the ballot box. Sure, mate. Good luck on Saturday. And finally, some good news. New research out today suggests that News Corporation, which controls 73% of Australia's commercial news media, is having trouble swinging the election for the coalition. Professor Rod Tiffin at Sydney University said polls indicated that News Corp's slanted coverage was having no discernible impact on voters this time round. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Maybe... Maybe this last three years was all just a fever dream. That's the wrap for Tuesday the 17th of May. Back in a sec. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honouring highly requested new colours for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The Chaser Report. Well, the pork is in the barrels this election. It really is. I mean, you know, there have been some wonderful examples of pork barreling, Charles, mm. that have rolled out uh, in the election campaign so far. Did you know this? I mean, now, first of all, you know, the origin of the term pork barrel is generally thought to be when, when slave owners would, you know, throw these barrels full of salted pork out to their slaves, who would then scramble over the over the bits. Right. So um, very similar to our current economic situation in a way. <laughs> it's basically, yeah, yeah. It, that's, that's the nation that yeah. the, uh, the, the coalition wants to forge. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, it, but instead of slaves, it's wage slaves. It's and, wage and instead slaves, of pork, right. it's, it's parks, uh, car parks in particular. It's car park barrelling. Yeah. It's park barrelling. Now, I, I looked up some examples, you know, you know, some examples in the media of like really bad pork barreling from recent years. And, and it's quite funny to look at the American examples that the media have pulled out. Oh, yeah. Because listen to these examples. They, they, these, these are listed by the media as egregious examples of, you know, wasting public money for votes. Mm. And to me, they actually sound quite fine. So $1.2 million for a naval heritage museum. I mean, what's wrong with that? That's all right, isn't it? Or, or, or handing over one point two million dollars for an underwater exploration centre. But isn't the I, isn't the issue that the underwater exploration centre will be in Burke or something like that? Like, isn't, that isn't the whole problem? You look into the detail and you go. Admittedly, <laughs> I didn't. I'm not yeah. sure where it is. Yeah. Oh, but hang on, hang on. Here's one that they, that they thought was bad. Five hundred grand yeah. for a virtual space exhibition in Houston. No, I mean, this sounds perfectly reasonable to me, right? Yeah, that sounds totally reasonable. So yes, what's, what's well, the problem? With, why are they called... Isn't that just I'm, spending government money on good things? On good things. Yes. No, but I mean, Americans think this is an absolute disgrace. Well, my God, they should move here because <laughs> the media here have reported some, uh, some of the new examples that we've got this campaign of the pork barrels. Uh, okay, so I'll hit you with a few of them. Okay. Miles. Okay. All right. Labour. Mm. Labor have made some very pissy little local commitments. I am. Uh, for example, they're going to spend eleven grand on a mural in Pierce. Do you think that's Do you think that's fair enough? I mean, you know, in order to win <laughs> votes in the seat uh, of Pierce, which, which is Christian Porter's electorate. Uh, like, uh, so it's a professionally made because every time I've seen a mural, you get your local school to do it. It should be free, shouldn't it? Like, yeah, it should just be, I know, or, or graffiti, like just some teenager. Yes. They, they provide murals for free, my, teenagers. My 13-year-old would definitely want to do that. He'll do it for 11 grand. Surely he will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, now, they're, they're going to spend 20 grand labour on a frog bog. Ah, right. In the seat of Bendigo. And my first question to you, Charles, is what mm. the fuck is a frog bog? Well, I mean, I, I was going to say it sounds like something that the Greens would want to protect. but It does the, sound a bit The like, fact that it? it's Labor yeah. means that it must be some sort of, is it a toilet for overweight unionists or something like that? Like frog you've bog. You yes, know. you've got it in one. $20,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> toilet, toilet for union bosses. It's just an area for frogs to live in. It's a bog for frogs. A bog that's for frogs. That's actually what a frog bog is. That's what a frog bog is. Anyway. Well, I, I fully support, because I love frogs, and frogs always die. Like, the whole story mm. of the last 20 years is all the frogs are dying. They just die all the time. They die so easily. So maybe they? we shouldn't be investing in frog bogs, because it's like... 
they're going to die anyway. It's not a long-term it, vision, is it? It should be like the way we treat aged care in this country, which is you just sort of go, well, let's not give any money to it. Let's not give any resources. They're going to die anyway soon. Yeah, yeah that yeah. is a frog bog. It's a Gosh, frog. You're right. <laughs> yes. The aged care homes of Australia are just frog bogs. Really, yeah, that's for, right. For humans. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's stupid. That's pork barrelling. All right, that's, that's frog barrelling. barrelling. <clears throat> All right, here's, the, here's another one from Labor. 20 grand to give a football club in the seat of Oxley some jerseys. Oh. What do you think of that, Juz? Is this a good idea? Twenty grand. For Twenty. Oh, how many, gonna, hang on, how hang on. Many it's also going to upgrade solar what? panels. They're going to upgrade solar panels oh, and right. and buy them some jerseys. Well, that's very good. I mean, the jerseys is a bit weird because surely that doesn't cost that much money. But solar panels, like Craig, mm. probably Craig's forced them to do that. Yeah, yeah, it might have been. It might yeah. have been done under. Under duress, I mean, they should put solar panels the on the jerseys. Oh, yes, you could have solar-powered footballers. Yes, the, the players themselves. All right, okay. Well, that, that's for all fair examples. Then, okay. Yep. Let's move to the coalition examples. Okay. Of pork, right now. Yep. <clears throat> described how the media thought it was outrageous that America spent one point two million bucks on a naval museum mm. and and one point two million on an underwater centre. Right. Yeah. Well, the coalition mm. has promised about the same amount of money, one point six million Australian dollars, mm. which is similar, on a BMX track in the seat of Pierce. Again, again that, in the seat of Pierce. That, the same place that's getting the wall. One point six million. How the fuck do you spend one point six million on a BMX track? Like, what is it going to be made of? Solid gold. I thought a BMX track was just like the side of a hill. Yes. It's already there. It's already there. It doesn't even have to be built. Well, you just, no, you need to sort of make it so it's got a few jumps and things like that. But that's like... Well, uh, you just have to heap up some sand. Like, yeah. like my one-year-old Do you think it. maybe they wanted some of the sheen of BMX bandits to sort of come off on them? They, oh, I see. It's a showbiz. It, it's it's the, a, yeah, right. Yeah. Because that, that movie is still, you know, pretty... pretty. Uh, it's a bit of a talking point still. Well I, well, I think, you know... Labor had Russell Crowe voicing one of their ads, remember, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And they went, oh, we can get Nicole Kidman. What's the latest film she's been in? And these are all career politicians. They don't know culture at all. They would have gone, oh, yeah, BMX Bandits. That was the last movie I saw that had Nicole Kidman in it. That's right. She's in this wonderful new film. Yeah. BMX Bandits. Bandits. Have you ever heard, Charles, of of a pump track? A pump what track. The hell is a pump track? Can you explain? Uh, okay, so I reckon because this is the coalition are funding a pump track, are they? They're funding okay. two pump tracks, so, not just oh, no, not just one. Okay, two so, worth seventy-five grand each in the seat of Gilmore, if you please. Okay, so I reckon a pump track is something that you use when the prayer room is busy, like it's a track. You go out onto the track, and that's where you do your pumping. If if you can't use the prayer room in camera, and Gilmer's right near Palm House, like that's just quite close, Southern Highlands. I see. So, I see. It's all making more sense. I mean, no so, wonder they want to pump so much money into the pump track. Yes, I think it's where you go for. to have sex. That's what it's for. Yes. yes. Don't oh, you well, look, I mean, seventy-five grand doesn't seem enough. No, I think so, especially if. Barnaby Joyce is going to be re-elected. Oh, they'll need millions. Yes. They'll, they'll need a BMX track's worth of money. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, I've got another question for you. Now, they've already thrown, uh, according to the news, $250,000 mm. to the Noosa Pickleball Club. Ooh, okay. To, to build new courts. Now, uh, what is 
pickleball well, clubs? Because I, I must say, I, I don't know. I th- well, I thought pickleball was Mark Latham's testicle. Oh, is that what? Yes, <laughs> that's what they get. Right? Why? Why are the Liberals funding that? Then? I don't know. Well, I suppose he's one nation nowadays, so maybe. Oh, okay, he's a mate. He's a sort yeah. of mate, isn't he? Yeah, and maybe maybe pickleball is actually a medical condition that describes not just Mark oh. Latham's ball, but oh yes, okay, well that's you know, so it's medical funding. Barnaby yeah, Joyce's balls, it's like maybe it's, it's George Christensen's balls. Like His I can imagine balls. a lot of coalition members. You know, mm, might have it. Might they have probably need balls. a foundation, don't yes. they? Like with the Labor ones, you go, okay, twenty grand for solar panels. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. But for like a BMX track, one point six million. Like you just go, somebody's getting quite a lot of money out of it. Like and pickleball, two hundred fifty thousand. Like I don't even know mm. what it is, and I know that a pickleball court doesn't cost two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's a lot to spend, you know, on a sport that nobody's heard of <laughs> in in a town that's full of people who are so rich that they'd be able to buy sixty. Do you think that whoever so. corruptly asked for it just made it up? <laughs> like, do you think it was sort of like the bus, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, yeah. the sport no, we'll of pickleball? <laughs> yeah. well, well, last year we we asked for money for for, for you know gumbo ball. <laughs> what about then? Maybe this year. Okay, and now this is this is the last one I'd like okay. to hit you with. The coalition offered twenty five grand uh, to the seat of Boothby to make a gin distillery. <laughs> well, gin I approve distillery. of that. I think that's a great idea. You I think, think that's that's good public money? Yes, yes. But, but hang on, is alcohol like the arts? Is it so unpopular that it requires government funding? <laughs> do you think? Yes, you're right. Gin is famously profitable, isn't it? Well, well, now you can get government money for that if you want, but only yeah. if you're in a marginal seat. That will help with the pickleball. Yeah. <laughs> soaking their balls in the gin. Now, and the, my final um, part of this investigation, Charles, oh, yeah. um, is why, you know, why is there so much pork barrel and what can be done about it? Well, mm. um, the, the, uh, the Fairfax media spoke to an expert on this. And the answer is, is that in order to, to stop this, the reason he can't stop it is that somebody has to actually take legal action against the funding. And that that action would have to be taken by somebody directly affected by the funding. So effectively, that means only a person who receives the funding would be able to go to court against the federal government and say, hey, uh, this funding is outrageous. <laughs> I'm not having a bar of this. That's the only way to stop it, according to It does seem like the system has been written by people... Who like to pork barrel? <laughs> it's almost like that, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost like that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Election news you can't trust. The Chaser Report.
So we promised you something special in our only stupid question <laughs> segment, and uh, we've got him here with us today, which is the AEC's Evan Eakin Smith joins us today from the AEC. Evan, thank you so much. Yeah, no problems at all. Happy to answer no stupid questions. No stupid, no, no. These are only stupid questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm happy to answer those ones too. Okay, and you're in charge of the AEC's Twitter account, aren't you? Yeah, my team looks after talking to media representatives, our social media accounts, a little bit of the website, so uh, things here and there. You've been quite funny on social media this election. We'll take that feedback. Thank yeah. you. Uh, do you go out and hire sort of comedians, like just asking for after the election, really? Um, what's your hiring process to get all these witty quipsters? You're trying to get a gig at the AUC running social media, are you? No, oh, yeah. no. It, some people think we're funny, some people don't. Uh, there's a few dad jokes thrown in there. Uh, but ultimately, I think we're going all right. So you're not going to tell me how to get a job there? <laughs> well, public service employment, it's a pretty boring process, really. I don't want to bore the listeners. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. It's all very mysterious, isn't it? Yeah, like, I know. I don't know how you get in that door. And so has there been any um, big reports of fraud or anything? Like, is there any big story that we can break on this podcast? There's been a couple of... People who, like candidates who you've referred to the police, once you've handed it over to the police, is that then out of your hands or uh, does it come back to you after the election? Because these people are still on the ballot paper, aren't they? Like, how does that work? Yeah, they're still on the ballot paper. We've got a manual voting system, of course, so there's no unprinting the ballots. Um, we print about 60 million odd and they end up all around the country through postal voting, through early voting centres and polling places. You can't strike them off. Um, so, yeah, we've referred a few matters uh, relating to candidates about enrolment addresses and some of them have been Section 44 of the Constitution sort of issues. But ultimately, yes, they go into the police's hands and they, they come back to us once they've investigated it and there's potential criminal um, action that can happen on the back of that. Now, what's Section 44 of the Constitution? That sounds a bit shady. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so the Constitution is that little pocketbook that, you know, guides, it's the foundation document for Australia. In Section 44, it's about disqualifications for being a candidate. So there was a couple of years ago where there was a whole bunch of uh, dual citizens uh, in Parliament, they actually had to resign from Parliament because they fell foul of Section 44 of the Constitution. So it's about that, and plus a few other things. I've noticed online, I've, I follow quite a lot of comedians, and there's been a few people who have been putting out sort of false information clearly to provoke you. What's the balance between your being all entertaining, but then aren't you sort of encouraging them to then say cheeky things that are false? Tricky. It's a really tricky balance. And we do, we get baited all the time. And some of it we just call out as bait and leave it alone. Um, some of it, even though it's really a joke, some people don't get it. Um, mm. So they seriously think there's something wrong there. So we've got to strike that balance of, uh, well, I suppose, knowing what content's coming at us, whether or not it's really, really obvious that a joke or, or whether it's um, a little bit more opaque and, and treated on its merits. So sometimes... The best way to actually shoot something down is actually to be a bit funny in response um, and everybody then gets it, a joke. So, yeah, so horses for courses always. And what about Facebook? I imagine because, like, my – I mean, obviously I'm not on Facebook. I'm far too young. But, you know, my parents' generation are on Facebook and there's tons of threads of people just – completely un spreading untrue information, especially like distant uncles of mine and things like that, who just sort of think that we're in this American-style 
sort of conspiracy theory land. But they're in the sort of comment section. How do you possibly deal with that style of misinformation? Yeah, we've talked to a few of your distant uncles. Uh, they're causing <laughs> us a lot of trouble. Um, and it's not just on Facebook. It's on a range of channels So and channels that we're not on either. Yes. So you know, we're on what you'd probably more consider to be the mainstream sort of channels of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, mm. YouTube and what have you. Uh, but where you get into channels like Telegram, there's mm. a lot of um, misinformation going around there about the electoral system. We can only get so far. Uh, we get as far as we possibly can with a small team here, um, correct people as much as we can, create little videos so that people on those other channels can share them, uh, speak like a human being as opposed to a bureaucrat. That helps get the message across. Uh, but but ultimately, we're living in a society that has a little bit of information disorder, Um Maybe a few of your uncles have that. Mm. We'd, we'd prefer people to be spreading knowledge rather than just information. Um, actually, something that has some substance behind it. And have you considered doing TikTok dances and things like that to get the message out there a bit more virally? My dancing is atrocious. Mm. Uh, I think oh, we would turn but, off any form of audience. Just No, just like everyone oh. on TikTok, though, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Dancing combined with electoral administration information. Yeah, yeah, yeah odd. Yeah. Mm. But no, I mean, we have, we have thought about going on... Um, channels like TikTok, and it might be something that we evolve to in the future. We'll just have to see how we go. Right, so you're not on TikTok at the moment. It, it, that's where everyone is. Uh, like, I, I know, I know. And we we pondered it carefully in advance of the election but decided not to for this one. We do have a partnership with TikTok, so we've got an election hub on there. Um, we get a lot of content referred to us, and we got a relationship with TikTok and take some action where we need to and get others to communicate on our behalf. But, no, we're not on there ourselves. Rigging elections since before it was cool. Chaser Report. Okay, well, let's get on with the lovely um, stupid questions only quiz. Stupid questions only. And we'll go with the first one, which is uh, Tyler Hamilton asks, is there a time limit for voting or can I arrive early in the morning and stay in the booth all day? That's a pretty stupid (laughs) question. That would be a particularly informed vote, wouldn't it? I mean, some of our Senate ballot papers, if you're living in New South Wales, they run over a metre long. You might need half the day to actually have a look at it. But we'd encourage you to be a bit quicker than that. Come to the polling place uh, a little bit better informed. Don't stay half a day or a full day. Apart from anything, you'll make everybody else queue up behind you, so that's not very nice. But But you are allowed to if you you want to, right? No, there's... There's no time limit on voting. Really? And what, what if the what if the booth is officially closed? What what, what happens at yeah. the end of the day? Like, do you get booted out like out of a pub? Is it like closing to, or are you allowed to just last votes? Last votes. <laughs> yeah, we we stand there next to the sign. We ring a bell. Yeah. No, actually, if somebody's in the queue at six pm, um, we make sure that those people get their votes. Um, so we we effectively put a marker there. One of our polling officials actually goes out and stands at the end of the line at six pm. Anybody else who comes after that. Sorry, you've come too late, but everybody who's there at six gets their vote. Okay. Um, Andrew, do you want to ask the next question? I'd love to ask it. Can I ask a question? Why not? Now, this is this is from a listener named No Prize One, who asks, why are the voting forms, Evan, such boring colours? Yeah. I've asked that myself. It's actually in electoral laws. Uh, they've got to be the colours that they are. The House of Reps has got to be the green. The Senate's got to be the white. And in fact, if we have a referendum, the colour for a referendum ballot paper in the legislation is buff. That's the colour. Buff. I'm pretty sure that's a creamy sort of colour, but buff is the referendum ballot paper. So if one of those comes around, you'll be getting a buff ballot paper. It's at least got a nice name. When I first started voting, I'm pretty sure the Senate 
ballot papers were pink, weren't they? I thought you said you were too young to be on Facebook, though. How do you remember that that far? <laughs> I, I assumed it was because to a government bureaucrat, the colour light green and white are the, are the most exciting things that they could think of. So they, <laughs> it's like rainbow to anybody else. Yeah. You can't get anything better than a really long document that is plain white. I mean, that's true. <laughs> okay, next question, which is from Margaret Rutherford, who asks, if everyone votes early, can we kick the government out before Saturday? Well, that's a bit of a loaded question. <laughs> it is a bit of a loaded question. It would depend on what's on the ballot papers, of course. Um I don't think everyone is going to. Uh, I just saw the I just saw the figures there. I think we've had uh, something like 2.6 million people go through an early voting centre. We got 17.3 million people on the electoral. Geez, they'd have to get a move on mm. um, and talk about queues. They'd be massive if they're all getting through the early voting period. Technically, uh, we still wouldn't count them anyway. Uh, laws wouldn't allow us to. We can only start counting at 6pm on election day. So we'd have a lot of very empty polling places with tumbleweeds and our polling officials standing around uh, doing absolutely nothing before we even started counting. And you're not actually allowed to vote early anyway, are you, without a valid excuse? And uh, There's got to be a valid reason, but we, we can't follow up on it. It's a self-declaration um, that you are entitled to vote early. If we could follow up on it, we'd probably be infringing on some level of privacy, you know, going into their workplace, making sure they're rostered on the Saturday or looking mm. at their travel plans. So it's a self-declaration. How interesting. So, so you need an excuse, but no one will check. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge there, isn't there? To a certain extent, but it's it's, it's a serious self declaration. I mean, it is it is a law, but no, we're not going to follow up. Uh, practically, we just couldn't. Uh, yeah. Well, you heard it here first. Look, I I reckon this is an encouragement to, for people to come up with the most <laughs> harebrained excuses <laughs> of all time. Isn't it? I mean, if you're not going to check, you might as well. Your I'm, excuse I'm, could be anything. I, I don't believe in using my right hand on Saturdays. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I've got a swollen buttock. And, uh... Yeah, see, I don't think we actually, there's a list of eligibility criteria. I'm pretty sure, I'd have to review it, but I'm pretty sure swollen buttock is not on that list. Uh, now, the next question comes from, uh, well, various people actually, several, several listeners have asked, do we have to use Arabic numerals? Mm. Oh, you can use whatever you like, as long as your intention is clear. I mean, we, we have people using Roman numerals. We've, we've had people oh, in the past who've actually drawn out their numbers with little dots, kind of like how you see it on, you know, the playing dice. But <laughs> why would you would be a question. You probably fall into the category of one of those people who ends up there all, all day in the voting booth, <laughs> wasting everybody's time. But also... Gee whiz, counting job's hard enough. Uh, we've got a lot of ballot papers to count. We don't need to sit there looking at your Roman numerals. Let's just use normal numbers, please. Well, how, how far does your, does your expertise spread in this regard, Evan? Like, like if somebody decided to number the forms in, in cuneiform writing from Babylonia, you know, I mean, can, can you can you translate those numbers? Do you have experts at hand? Our, our polling staff are all trained up on that. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> look, our, our polling officials, if they saw something highly unusual but looked quite elaborate and, and deliberate, would probably put that one aside to try and determine what it is and, and have a look. That's, that's It sounds odd, but that's the lengths we go to to try and uh, actually reflect people's intentions. That's I'm fascinating. Because, yeah, but do, does anywhere use numbering systems other than Arabic nowadays? Like, isn't that like globally? I'm just trying to think of, are there any countries in the world? Like, I'm just imagining somebody coming over to Australia, gaining citizenship, but not... And so being eligible to vote, but then not mm. knowing the Arabic number system. Like, 
I don't, I don't think anybody uses a number system other than the, the standard one uh, in any other way than trying to be clever or uh, yeah. funny. Uh, I, I think that's the intention rather than or anything. Time traveller. Time traveller. <laughs> yeah, haven't come, acro- haven't come across one of those. What are they doing voting in 2022? Yeah. They don't live here. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the next question is from Filthy Dancer, who I imagine you've um, already... Oh, we've corresponded with yeah. Filthy Dancer via Twitter, of course we have. Do AEC workers and volunteers get to take home the voting boxes as furniture after the election? What are you thinking I'm sitting on right now? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, interesting with our cardboard furniture. It's a little less exciting this time. We used to spray it with sort of um, white and purple garb, but it's all raw cardboard this time so that we can recycle it. Um, so we give it we give it off to other electoral management bodies to use it. Uh, we recycle it. Um, sometimes schools use it for school run elections. But our staff taking it home, nah, it's it's not part of the part of the setup. And and mm. just actually as a follow up to that, are there such things as AEC volunteers? Aren't they? Isn't everyone who's involved in the process paid? Yeah, they're all paid. Yeah. Temporary workers. Yep. So often colloquially referred to as volunteers, but no, nah, absolutely, it's a paid mm. gig. I have a question here for you, uh, Evan, from listener Karen, who asks, and come on, surely you can tell us, where are the secret counting locations? The secret ones. Well, that's the great thing about the Australian voting system. None of them are secret. Um, we've actually got warehouse facilities. So most most votes on election night, they're counted in the polling places, but we've actually got warehouse facilities where we count all the early votes and the postal votes. Um, you'll have a whole bunch of staff congregated around tables and they're not secret because we've got uh, party and candidate appointed scrutineers uh, looking over our shoulders, literally looking mm. over our shoulders as we count all the votes and challenging different votes. So not secret, but they're the sort of um, warehouse facilities that you wouldn't necessarily expect. I know we've done it in an old Bunnings warehouse one time, um, and it's basically any empty premises that fits the bill that we can get. Well, I used to scrutiny, and uh, it was it used to be out at the showground before it became Fox Studios. It was fantastic. It was so, so much fun. But I read somewhere that actually the last time a ballot is seen by only one person is when you actually put it in the box. That, that essentially thereafter the entire process means that there's at least two people watching it at any given point throughout the whole process. Absolutely, and a chain of custody. I tell you what, we have that many forms. You talk about bureaucrats being excited by pieces of paper <laughs> and forms. We love our forms at the AEC. You sign over custody every time the ballot paper goes from one particular person to another. Everybody's always got custody. It's always countersigned by that second person. Mm. We've got ballot paper storage zones and secure zones and every colour vest under the sun that identifies people and who they are and what access they have. It's a, it's a remarkable undertaking when you actually think about the scale that we do. To as well, and the thing is, and the thing that I'm quite interested in is, there's all these fringe party people who have these conspiracy theories, like like my sort of distant uncles, and and one of the great things about the system is that anyone who's involved in those parties can volunteer to be a scrutineer for that party at their local booth or whatever. And the moment you go and see the process and how open it is, and how like. People from all different candidates are standing around. You can watch everything that you want to see going on, but you can't touch anything. You sort of suddenly go, oh, right, this is completely un... Like anyone who's been part of that process goes, oh, yeah, there's no way you could commit fraud. That's why I think part of the the brilliance of our system is it's so decentralised that you can actually see that it's sort of... 
it, it's impossible yeah. to imagine some sort of conspiracy not, theory location. And not not to mention just our staff. We have one of the biggest temporary workforces going around. We've got 105,000 people who work for us. These are the people who are undertaking the count. Mm. If something was not on the up and up, that these people are right there. They'd be saying things, not to mention the party and candidate appointed scrutineers, not to mention all of the processes. So that sort of talk, we get some talk about, you know, pencils, all they can be rubbed out or, you know, uh, counters are using lead under their fingernails is one that we've heard before. It's all ridiculous. And if you understand the process, like you said, if you've ever been in an accounting centre, you'd know it's just not possible. Mm. Let's uh, end with one final question. Uh, and this is from AI Draws Ozpol, who asked... You say your volunteers have seen everything and we should focus on the voting. That said, what is the funniest thing you've seen or heard at what counting votes? Oh, look, it's probably not funny. Uh, it's probably more disgusting. But in a, in a recent by-election, you know, all the ballot papers are folded, right? When people put them in the ballot box, you go to unfold them and sometimes you see some things. Sometimes it's mm. drawings, yes. uh, which is un- unoriginal most of the time, but... Mm hey, whatever floats your boat. Um, but sometimes you, you get material. Um, mm. In a recent by-election, there was feces. Oh, I don't know really? if it was human or dog or what it was. Uh, maybe somebody came in with a little doggy bag. Who knows? Uh, but it, it, there was no denying what it was because it wasn't just what you could see. It's what you could smell as well. And, and did you have to count? Did you have to count? <laughs> I can't remember whether it actually had numbers on it or not, but if it did, we would have counted it. You would have, <laughs> would you? Oh, so that, that doesn't well, invalidate what we actually did, because I, I, I wasn't at the counting centre, right? I saw the photos. But um, what we did uh, is we put it in a little plastic baggie so that we could try and have a look at the numbers, uh, which is a bit <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> oh, dear. It may have been a, a, you know, an honest mistake, though. I mean, those, <laughs> those sort of cubicles that you've set up there, I mean, they, uh, somebody... <laughs> whose vision isn't very good might well have thought, oh. Well, we're not cutting holes in the middle of them, so I think we're going okay. Uh, yeah. Or perhaps just an enormous sign that says this is not a bog. I'll, I'll take that clear. suggestion back to the Electoral Commissioner. So, Evan, uh, you, you big days on Saturday, and then presumably you've got the next few weeks, you know, counting, especially the Senate takes a while to count. But then after that, do you just sit around and do nothing until the next election? Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm going to take two and a half years of a holiday. This, <laughs> this election thing's pretty easy to stand up on, uh, no, no dramas whatsoever. Now, I mean, that, that's the question we get at barbecues, right? If you're an AEC staff member, what are you doing in between elections? Um, there's a bit. It just doesn't get as much publicity. We might have to run some by-elections. We might have to run a referendum. We maintain the role. We redraw boundaries so that the election's set up. And, and then always prepare for the next one Uh, and they're ridiculously huge logistical things to try and organize and who knows what we're faced with i mean this time it's floods and covid and whatever else one of the most difficult and expensive elections in our history who knows what's coming around the corner that we need to prepare for Mm. and the other thing is we don't know the date uh we could have run this federal election as early as august last year so we've got to be ready uh, a lot earlier than potentially we get called on okay well anything else Andrew, do you have anything more? Bugger all. No, no. I, look, I, I've been flooded with information here from the from the AEC. Yeah. Uh, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Look, I mean, if I was going to ask one other thing, Evan, I, I've already voted, right? I voted early. Um, does it ever happen that, that people ring you up and say that they change their mind about who they voted for and can, can, can you find the paper and I can just redo it? Because I stuffed mine up a little bit. Well, you should have thought about that at the time. Stiff. 
is our answer. Uh, no, oh. we can't. It's a but, secret ballot. Yours goes into the box with everybody else's. It hasn't got your name on it. It's all over Red Rover. You can't have any uh, different say. It doesn't reflect my views. I've changed my mind three times in the last three days. <laughs> the swinging Maybe your mind will change. I'll come back around. Well, I might go and vote again a couple of times then. <laughs> yeah, nah. Evan, thank you very much. Uh, and uh, if you – presumably whenever somebody comes on this podcast, we've got to plug their whatever they're selling. So – Go and vote on Saturday. <laughs> if you're out and about, go and vote. You've solved democracy. Everybody's going to flood our polling places now. <laughs> That's great, yeah. Come, come and support voting. And is there somewhere you can book tickets to vote or just just turn up? I just rock up. We accept all comers. Go to our website, have a look. If there's a queue, be patient and just be a normal individual. It's not a toilet cubicle. Just cast your vote. Thanks very much. Cheers. See you, Evan. Our gear is from Rode Microphones, and we are part of the ACAST Creator Network. See you tomorrow. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.